seasons. We'll uh, get to that in a second. First, if we haven't met, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at Fieldstone. Great to see everybody. Tons of new faces, it seems like, every single week, so good to look out and see uh, different people checking things out. Just so you guys kind of know where we're going over the next few months, uh, we've got this series that we're starting today that'll go the next four weeks, and then we're going to finish our two-part series called Respectable Sins that started like two months ago. A little bit of a goofy thing. I got excited, had to do that first one back in September. We'll come back to it here in a few weeks do the Christmas thing, kind of a Christmas-themed series going into the holidays. And then January, February, we're going to talk about Peter. Uh, First and second Peter, a little bit of uh, the time that we see of him in the Gospels. That's one where, um, in my personal reading, I did first and second Peter this summer, got through those books and realized I spent the entire time thinking about what you guys needed to hear from first and second Peter, which is a little bit of a a character flaw for a lot of preachers. So I had to stop and go back and start over again and read it for me, because that's the ideal situation. Uh, when you're doing your personal devotional time. So uh, this winter, uh, really excited about where we're going to go with that, kind of a deep dive into, into Peter the Apostle and, and his writings in, in his two letters. So, uh, but for right now, we, we try to hit, if you're newer to Fieldstone, we try to hit uh, relationships uh, at least once a year, specifically marriage, um, maybe worst case every 18 months or so. Because uh, as you guys know, relationships are a big deal. Relationships are half of the greatest commandment, right? Love God, love people. So that's a big deal. Relationships uh, impact almost every single second of our lives, these horizontal human relationships. And so that makes it a big deal. Um, and in the, in the collage of human relationships, marriage inevitably gets kind of elevated to the honor seat, right? Just kind of happens. A lot of people are married. It's the natural progression of a lot of people's lives. Um, and it's a relationship that lasts a long time, ideally forever, right? And I think about even just my own life. I'm only 40 now, and yet more than half of my life has been spent in relationship with Kathy. And ideally, we still got 40, 50 years to go. And so a significant portion of my life is being impacted by this marriage relationship. But along with the beauty of marriage comes the natural tensions, right? The, the natural conflict that comes by being in that close of a relationship for that amount of time. And we come across situations that reveal relationship weaknesses, personal weaknesses. And so that makes marriage one of those topics that you got to hit, right? It's, it's such a big deal. But we, and so we wanted to hit that. But at the same time, we also recognize that when we talk about marriage for three or four weeks, we're kind of ignoring a huge chunk of the population, the huge chunk of our church population here. We, and so we wanted to do something because we very much have a multi-generational church. And so this series is going to be a little bit different where we want to hit the different generations, but the, also the different seasons of our relationship lives. Because we've got people, we've got people here who are married, newly married, long time married, married and remarried. We've got people who are not married, people who have never been married and wish to be married at some point. People who have never been married with no plans to ever get married. We have people who used to be married and wish they had never been married. We've got people who used to be married and at some point depending on what God's doing in their life and how, how things about they're open to maybe giving it another shot. All of those things are represented in the building here today. And so this series will attempt to encourage all of those different seasons of relationships in some form or fashion. And we'll, we will do future marriage series. We'll take three or four weeks and we'll just hit it. But this one in particular, we're going to talk about being single. We're going to talk about dating we're going to talk about being married, and then the fourth week, we're going to talk about starting over, because as you guys know, there's so many among us, so many of you have experienced that mode where you used to be 
but now you're not for whatever reason, and maybe you're moving towards something new, right? So we're going to talk about starting over, and obviously there's different variations of each of those. Um, oh boy, what's going on, Brian? Everybody just look at Brian and make this really awkward for him. I don't know if this is on camera, but Brian's up here fiddling around, needs his power cord. Uh, love you, buddy. See ya. <laughs> Um, and so there's different variations of each of these things, because as you guys, you guys know that being married at 25 is very different than being married at 75. Dating at 15 is very different from dating at 32. And so as we hit these different things, I want to encourage you, find the things that you need to pull out of each one, right? Because your situation isn't like the person on the other side of the aisle. And so whether it's perfect for you or not, just pull what you need to apply it to your specific situation. And if you find yourself in a week that doesn't specifically apply to you, um, take a couple notes, tuck it away for a while. Maybe it'll apply to you later on, or maybe some little nugget of wisdom or information might help someone that you love as they pass through one of these seasons of life. Um, and so we'll jump in, and, and, and really these first couple weeks are the fun ones, because when you think about being single, when you think about dating, what we find is that in church world, we create this giant gap, this giant gray area that gets ignored. Right, because so, so some of you guys grew up in church like I did, so you do, the, you do the Sunday school thing, you do the youth group thing, Joe does a great job with the teenagers, and they'll spend time talking about what it looks like to have a dating relationship. What does it look like? What does purity mean in God's eyes? How, how do we do this as a 13, 14-year-old, 17, 18-year-old here in the world as we're the boyfriend, girlfriend thing, and prom, and all this other stuff. And so we talk about that. And then what happens? Eventually, you grow out of youth group, which is an exciting thing. It's a bummer to leave it, but you're getting older. You're going to college. You're becoming an adult. And so what do we do in church world? We skip from that to you're married with three kids. Let's talk about that. And so you sit here, whether it's a marriage series or some of the applications from any other topic, and you're going, I'm 25. I don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. Don't want one, thank you very much. Certainly don't want kids right now. And so you used to talk about me here, and now you're going to skip me for like 10 years, and then you're going to start talking about me again, right? And so we have this gap, and, and, and so we need to fill that gap a little bit. because And, and so today are some, I think, some report, important reminders, not just for those who are single, but things that we sometimes leave behind in our youth group years. And the issue that we come across it's an issue, we as a society, we as uh, church people, we as lonely people looking for love, what we often do is we put marriage where it doesn't belong. We put marriage up here on a pedestal of human relationships, the pinnacle of the human experience, where we, we say, you found the one, you found your person, you found your soulmate, you finally settled down, right? Because you as a human matured to the point where you get to experience this, uh, this high-level human experience of being married. And if someone is single past a certain age, uh-oh, right? Something's wrong, right? Maybe there's a personality flaw. Maybe there's, they, they've got mixed up priorities because they're getting older and they haven't chosen to elevate marriage as a top priority. Or maybe they're just broken in some way. Something went wrong. They got to a certain point where you're supposed to be married, and they're not married, and so, so there must be some kind of an issue. And it's not always in what we say, right? We, we don't verbalize that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's hidden in our mindset behind the things that we say. So someone says, oh, I'm not really dating right now. And they, oh, it's okay. You're young, right? Because being single is okay as long as you're young, right? Or we say, oh, there's someone out there for everyone, because how awful would it be if someone chose to say single, 
I'm the, I'm the biggest culprit of this next one. We're joking with teenagers, even joking with little kids, right? They go to kindergarten, first time in school, three weeks in the garden. Hey, buddy, you got yourself a girlfriend there in kindergarten? <laughs> right? Because, because, of course, as a human being, it's your job to inevitably move towards the point where you have a significant other. That is on the pedestal. That's the pinnacle. And here's the thing. Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is a created gift from God. There's Obviously, nothing wrong with marriage, and when pursued God's way, it is an amazing, beautiful thing. But I wonder if, even at times, even in subtle ways, I wonder if our emphasis on relationships and coupling and our pursuit of marriage, if in the midst of that, we accidentally skip a vital step in the process. Not the process of growing up and meeting someone, but the process, an even bigger process, of pursuing and becoming more like Jesus. And so I want to throw out a challenge today. I think Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, certainly for the singles, if you find yourself in that season at any age, in any circumstance, but I think a reminder for all of us as we think about the nature of the relationships that we find ourselves in. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, we'll be there. You can open your Bible or your app. We'll put them on the screen if you need them. Um, but Paul gives us some, he's starting to give us some practical wisdom and advice, maybe not commands. A couple of these spots, he said, hey, this is not from God. This is from me, it's just wisdom and experience that I've obtained over the years for basically how to handle different relationship tension, different drama that comes down the line in relationships, different practical issues surrounding our relationships, but specifically how that relationship stuff impacts our pursuit of Jesus. And so he has spots where he's like, hey, husbands and wives, intimacy, right? Great thing, important thing, but it's complicated, right? You got physical, emotional, spiritual, all these different things coming together. He says, don't let intimacy become a stumbling block in your relationship, right? Love each other, please each other, remain faithful to each other. But then he says, well, you might ask the question, what if I'm single and fine being single, but lust is an issue? How do I handle this? What if I'm married, recently came to Christ, but my spouse is not a believer? What do we do about that? So he's giving just some practical wisdom for these new believers, this new thing called Christianity. How, we, how do we live and interact in the midst of this thing? And so some of it is super helpful for us. Some of it's very cultural and doesn't apply to us. And so we'll, we'll jump in and we'll kind of pick some of this apart. 1 Corinthians 7.25, he says, Now, now about virgins. Okay, so we got to stop there real quick because things can get really interesting. We start throwing around different words. I know there's different ages of people in the building. I'm going to try to spare mom and dad some difficult questions later this afternoon. So a couple of things I need to make note of before we go any further. First thing, um, there are some verses in there that if you picked them out of context and formed a life philosophy out of them, you would ruin your life. Okay? We have to take the full scope of Scripture, the full counsel of Scripture when it comes to relationships and how God wants us to interact. So there's going to be a verse, verse 29, where he says, a married man should live as if he were not married. You're going to get yourself in trouble if you start doing stuff like that, right? So, so that's not what the Bible is saying. Honey, the, there's this Bible verse that said to live as if I'm not married. No, 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 no. That's not what we're going to do. The whole Bible makes it very clear that's not true. So we, we have to be careful about making life philosophies out of individual verses that we pull out. Second thing, that word I just read, right, the one that made us come to a screeching halt, that word can mean exactly what it says. However, that same word can also be used to refer to a never married young man or young woman. 
Okay? So I'm going to read it as young woman or young people, mostly so that some of the 14-year-old boys in our congregation can hang with us because they're going to be like, oh, he said virgin, right? So, so we're, we're going to try to avoid some of that distraction, avoid some of the difficult questions like, mom, what's that word mean, right? So all those different things, hopefully we can spare you. Um, so that's, if I read it differently than what you're seeing in your Bible, that's why I've chosen to read it the way I'm reading it. So let's go back, 1 Corinthians 7, back to verse 25. This is Paul talking. He says, Now about young people. I have no command from the Lord, but I'm giving a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So hey, these aren't sin, not sin things. This is me, wise old man Paul. This is what I'm seeing in the world and in people. This is what I'm, I'm saying you should think about. Because of the present crisis, he's just seeing the world, right? If you were to look out in the world, American culture, 2022, as someone who's trying to pursue Jesus, you go, we might have a crisis on our hands, right? Not one event, but he's saying, in the midst of what I'm seeing in the world, in the midst of this present crisis, I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. If a young woman marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. To those who mourn, they should live as if they did not. Those who are happy, as if they were not. Those who buy something should live as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world should live as if they're not engrossed by them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. But a married man, he's concerned about the affairs of the world, how he can please his wife. And so his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a young woman, she's concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world and how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So again, we're not getting bogged down by the specific advice or practical stuff that he throws in. Some of it doesn't make sense in our culture. If we were to read the next verse, some of that starts talking about if you're a a man who has a daughter who he is uh, arranging to be married, here's what you should think about. That's not our culture, right? So some of this uh, is context-driven, but big picture, Looking back, he's saying, if you're married, cool, great, that's a good thing. There's different pressures, different responsibilities that come with being married, different distractions that singles don't have. But if you're married, fantastic. Stay in that marriage, enjoy it uh, to, the, to the best of your ability. If you're engaged, wonderful, congratulations, right? If, if you're good with it, if, if you're both lo- in love and you're committed for the long haul, there's no reason to break it off. Just be aware, right? There's different pressures that come with being married, different responsibilities, things that distract you from other things that you might want to do. So if you're engaged, fantastic. If you're not married, not engaged, if you're single, if you're in a position where you can, you can make a long-term decision about your goals and your desires, maybe consider staying single. Okay, it, it, It's hard to be single for life. right? There's different types of sacrifices that come with being single for your whole life, but also some huge benefits. And so to recap, he says, married, 
Cool. Engaged. Cool. Single with a desire to get married someday. Cool. Single and completely happy with it. Cool. Basically, he's taking all of these different relationship statuses, the ones that we elevate, the ones that we don't elevate, all these different things, and he's taking them and putting them on equal footing. He's saying there's different pros and cons, different pressures, different priorities, different distractions. You're going to live a different kind of life depending on the status, different abilities to serve and follow and grow and impact the kingdom. But he's taking them all and placing them on equal footing in pursuit of something eternal, something bigger. I love the way Pastor John Piper describes this type of a thing, this idea of single versus in a relationship and some of the tension between those two relationship statuses. Um, And he, he describes it this way, especially in light of eternity and how it compares with our human relationships. He says, To all singles in Christ... God promises you blessings in the age to come that are better than the blessings of marriage and children. He says, I'm not celebrating singleness just to make single people feel good. I'm declaring the temporary, secondary nature of marriage compared to the eternal and primary nature of the church. Marriage and family are temporary for this age, life on this planet. The church is forever. Being in a human family is no sign of eternal blessing, but being in God's family means being eternally blessed. Relationships based on family are temporary. Relationships based on union with Christ are eternal. Marriage is a temporary institution, but what it stands for lasts forever. That's, I think, what Paul is getting at when we get to verse 29 where he says, what I mean is... Right? Like, and this is what I love about Paul. He's a total academic. He is a wordy author. He uses 50 words when he could use 10. But there's different points in some of his letters where he's like, okay, I'm confusing you. I know it. I've gotten too deep into the weeds here. Let me stop. And so he says, what I mean is the time is short. There are bigger, more eternal things to think about than just our short-term temporary lives on this planet. However special some of our relationships are, They don't matter in comparison with the eternal pursuit of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom, that eternity, is where the emphasis lies when it comes to our seasons of life, any of our relationship statuses. The the line of thinking reminds me of Jesus back in Luke chapter 14 when he's talking to a large crowd of people and he drops a major bomb on them. Luke 14, 26 and 27 Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, does not hate wife and children, does not hate brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So if anyone doesn't hate their father, excuse me, hate their mother, hate their children, hate their spouse, These are all extremely valuable and important and treasured relationships, right? These are relationships that are treasured by us and treasured by God, right? This is another one of those full counsel of Scripture. You can't pull out this one verse and say, God wants me to hate my wife, hate my kids in pursuit. No, he's not saying neglect and abandon those relationships in pursuit of him. That is not what God wants. It's about comparing the earthly value of these relationships compared to the eternal value of our relationship with Christ, our pursuit of Christ, our service to Christ. I love being married to Kathy. 
right? She's my best friend. She's my hunting buddy. If I'm going to sit down and watch a big game, I want to watch it with Kathy. If I'm going to check out a new movie, I want to check it out with Kathy. If I'm going to go on vacation, I want to vacation with Kathy. I love hanging out. We have great marriage. Love being married to Kathy. But that relationship cannot and should not supersede my relationship with Christ. In fact, if it does, that doesn't help the marriage. That will hurt the marriage because I have elevated it to a place where it does not belong. I have put it on a pedestal where it does not belong. And what we find out is that when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to faith, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to the kingdom of God, marriage is not the pinnacle of human existence. Marriage is not the pinnacle of human flourishing. Marriage is not the pinnacle of human purpose. Jesus is. And so if you're sitting there single, young and single, getting into your 20s and 30s and single, getting into your 40s and 50s and single, always been single or you're single again. Whatever your circumstance is, you need to know that in your quest for joy, it's only going to be found in him. In your quest for purpose, it's only going to be found in him. In your quest for identity and fullness and all the things that we think are going to come from the right woman or the right man, all of those things are only going to be found in Jesus. And so marriage is beautiful. Marriage can be wonderful. But that is not the pinnacle of our existence here on this planet. The pinnacle of that existence is pursuit and relationship with Jesus. Being single is not a less than relationship status. Being single, if approached the right way, long-term single or short-term single, being single actually means having one less human thing to distract you from what you're really here for. You're here to walk with and reflect the glory of your creator and to be used by him to expand his kingdom here on this earth. It's Jesus. So that was the big stuff, okay? I want to finish up, just throw some practical things at maybe the singles in the room or any who maybe could use it um, in your life. So if you're single, any age, any circumstance, if you're single, you need to know you are not the only one. Maybe feels like it sometimes, right? My friends are getting married. I'm not married. I'm single. Seems like all my friends are dating. I'm not. Dad won't let me, right? So you find yourself in that situation. I'm the only one who's not in a relationship. You need to know only 35% of teenagers have experience with relationships. This is coming from a secular study, right? Only 35% of teenagers have experience with relationships. So if you're sitting here as a teenager thinking, all my friends are dating, these guys are, I'm, I'm the only one without a date. A vast majority of your peers not only don't have a girlfriend or boyfriend, they have zero experience with a girlfriend or boyfriend. You're not the only one, okay? You're not the only one. How about older? Millennials, right? We're getting a little older. We're talking late 20s, 30s, maybe into low 40s at this point. A lot of millennials married, right? For all the doomsday sayers uh, 20 years ago, we turned out okay, didn't we? Right? Millennials, we're the bosses now. It's great, right? It's just making those people retire and pushing Gen Z down, right? We're dominating the world right now. It's fantastic. So of all of those marriages and relationships, for millennials who are single for any reason, 
40% of them say they won't date someone for the wrong reason just to be in a relationship. So millennial, that, that's a good place to be, right? A huge percentage of your peers are saying, you know what? Maybe I'm happy being single. Maybe I'm not. But I'm not going to jump into a bad relationship just to be in a relationship. It's a great place to be. And so if that's you, you're not alone. Adults of all ages, 50% of single adults are not looking for a relationship or even a date. Okay? So if you find yourself there and you're like, man, I'm feel like I just need to stand pat for a while. You're not alone. A huge percentage of your peers are content to be single and are not jumping into something unhealthy simply because they feel pressure to be in a relationship. So you are not alone if you're single at any age. If you're currently single and, there's, and you're not anticipating a change in that anytime soon, I would say in this single season, what could you do for the kingdom with undivided attention? Singleness, the ability to choose it, the ability to embrace it and minister out of it, that is a gift, right? And if you read 1 Corinthians 7, 7, back where we first were, we didn't read it in our, in our time through it, but Paul almost makes it sound like he's adding it to the list of spiritual gifts, right? Leadership and, and uh, generosity and helps and all these different things. Paul is almost kind of sliding in, hey, if you can be single and happy and have joy in that, that's a big deal, right? He says, I wish all of you could enjoy being single the way I be enjoy being single, just for all the reasons that we read in the verses we did hit. So he's saying, hey, where can you go? How can you serve? What can you pursue? Who can you encourage all if God gifts you with joy in the midst of the single season? What could you do for the kingdom with the undivided attention that comes with being single? If you're currently single and it's your desire to have someone at some point, to find someone, fall in love, uh, get married, start a family, whatever that looks like, pretty, pretty cool phrase. I did not come up with this, but I think, it, I think it's a strong one. It says that your future marriage is only as good as your present singleness. Your future marriage is only as good as your present singleness. So I would say invest in your single season, right? Read through the Bible cover to cover. I'm telling you, once you get married, it's tough. I do my reading at night. I go up a few minutes before Kathy, and she's not here to defend herself today, so I can go wherever I want with this. But I'll be up there reading, immersed in God's word, right? Deep in prayer and meditation, usually trying to avoid turning the TV on. But whatever that is, I'm, I'm trying to read the Bible, and inevitably, I look up, and Kathy's standing at the door staring at me. Hey, what you doing? Reading the Bible. You know that. Oh, okay. Cool. What you reading? Reading First Peter again, right? So, and, and, and then inevitably, she'll end up right here. She'll, like, touch my forehead or, or slap the Bible, something like that all just to distract me and get my attention, right? Because she's an extrovert and she thinks the day needs to extend another hour or two after I've decided to go to bed. All those things. And she's distracting me from my relationship with Jesus and I'm going to approach our elders about it because something needs to be done. Uh, she... And we have fun with it, right? I'm messing around, of course. But it's harder to read the Bible with a wife and two kids than it is when you're single, right? That doesn't mean I read the Bible constantly when I was single but it's a little bit easier to find that free time, right? It, and so in this season, invest 
in your singleness, right? Study the healthy relationships around you. Study the unhealthy relationships around you. Study yourself. Dive in. Hey, what are spiritual gifts? What are my spiritual gifts? Where, where do I come out on some of these personality profiles? Dig into your childhood. Dig into your family tree. Take a look at past relationships you've been a part of, right? So get, uh, dive into some, some professional counseling. Helps, let, have someone help you peel back some of the layers at who you are at your core, right? Your, your future marriage is going to be built on your present single season. So let God mold you and shape you, help you become the right person for the right person. Invest in your singleness. Last thing I'll say is this, and this is an encouragement for those of you who are single and those of you who uh, love and interact with singles of whatever age. Being single does not, should not mean alone. Single doesn't mean alone. Be proactive about building healthy face-to-face relationship, right? Online is a great way to get in the starting blocks of relationships, but it's not the best way to run the race. So get, get out, be a part of community things and church things and neighborhood things and family things, right? Say yes to opportunities. Be willing to be uncomfortable if you need to, to stretch yourself and have some, some experiences that you might not otherwise try. And those types of things will stretch you in a healthy way. I even want to tell you, it's okay to hang out with families. It's okay to hang out with couples, right? Is it fun to be the third wheel or the fifth wheel? No, nobody likes being the fifth wheel, but it's okay sometimes, right? It can be a great way uh, to, to see how relationships are built and see pictures of maybe the kind of spouse that you would want to be. Maybe you'll see the kind of spouse you don't want to be. You might see how you want to raise kids someday, or you might see how you don't want to raise kids someday. You might just hang out with some couples and get a great reminder of how amazing it is to be single, right? Sometimes you just get a different picture depending on who you're hanging out with. All of it in the midst of that, even bigger as we're thinking about kingdom stuff, eternal stuff, you might see some opportunities where you can serve a family or serve a couple, help them transform their family tree in the single season that you're in. Marriage, however important it is, however wonderful it is, is not the pinnacle of human existence. And so if you're single at any age, embrace the season that God has you in. Embrace the process of growing in your walk with Christ in the midst of that season. And then trust him to carry you towards whatever season he has for you next. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this time. Thanks for... Um, the wisdom of a man like Paul who spent his entire life single from what we can tell. God, who who devoted his life to serving you in that type of a long-term season. And God, we we all find ourselves in different places here. Uh, We've got married people, God. We've got single people. We've got dating people. We've got people who are trying to figure out how to start over. And we simply ask for your wisdom and your direction through all of it. God, may the relationships you have us in be relationships that encourage one another and empower one another and draw each other closer in our relationship with you. May we be an example of that and may we have opportunities to encourage those outside of this building with the same truth. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.